Hey everyone, Clay here. Just wanted to let you know that right now, Badass has a new Patreon episode up where Sean and I talk all about the now officially announced White Knight Red Hood two-issue miniseries that he and I have been working on. So if you want all the info on that, head over to patreon.com slash file and check it out. Thanks for the support and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bat-Ass Beyond, the newest version, iteration of the Bat-Ass podcast, the Batman the Animated Series show podcast, where we talk about Batman the Animated Series, or in this case, Batman Beyond. My name is Clay McCormick, and with me as always is Sean Murphy. How are you doing, Sean? Yeah, man. Instead of uh, going into a weird story about how my car isn't inspected, I uh, actually uh, would like to ask our viewers a favor. Um, So the big announcement for me is... uh, Batman Beyond the White Knight number one is out, or it'll be out as of this recording uh, in yeah. about four days. And um, it'll by the time this comes out, it, it Batman issue one will already be out. Okay. Well, uh, there was sort of a kerfuffle at DC, and someone didn't market it properly, um, and our sales dropped by forty thousand units. Whoa! But uh, right now, I'm just asking people. If they could spread this word of mouth, if they like the book, if they have a friend that might like it, or if they can just let people know that this is out and that this is the third volume of uh, White Knight, this is a big event, um, that would be helpful. <laughs> if you can tweet it or whatever they can do in their hearts, I would appreciate that. I feel like White Knight started out as a grass-level movement, a grassroots movement, mm-hmm. um, and through word of mouth, it seemed to be our biggest asset, and I wish, wish that companies would do a better job of marketing and not drop the ball but i'm in this predicament right now and i'd like to get my sales back up to where they should be at about eighty thousand units <laughs> so i'm asking people if they could retweet it or tell their friends or let people know that this is out i would that would really be great yeah that would be excellent and if you're listening to the show chances are you're a fan of batman beyond which is the uh fo- one of the big focuses of this volume of uh, batman the white knight so i think you'll probably oh. enjoy it it's almost like we planned this man well with that in mind uh stay tuned for sean's rant uh over on patreon we have to no i'm just kidding it'll be free you won't have to pay oh, yeah right <laughs> um but we actually will have a new a new patreon episode out where we talk about another book that's coming out is the uh the red hood book that the, that you and i are working on but um you can head yeah. over to patreon we're gonna start marketing that. that pretty soon we'll get you set up with interviews and we'll do the official announcement i know i've been teasing it like crazy and you've been sort of hesitant about when to jump in but uh your time is coming my friend thank you for your patience excellent i've got my giant sunglasses ready and uh i'm gonna take a really pretentious author photo and it'll be on all of my interviews it'll be fantastic is it going to be better than the Wicked Con photo of you where they caught you <laughs> saying a long word mid-sentence? That was my own room haircut. That was my own fault because they did ask me for a photo and I completely <laughs> forgot to send one to them. And so uh, you reap what you sow as far as that goes. But Yeah, man, you might want to get on that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, today we are talking about two episodes of Batman Beyond Blackout and Golem. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about Blackout. <laughs> 
All right, Blackout, directed by Dan Reba, written by Robert Goodman. And in this one, Terry, having just started to work for Bruce Wayne, faces off against Inc., a notorious shape-shifting mercenary who is sabotaging Fox Tekka, a company formed by Lucius Fox's son. Um, I, you know, we talked last episode about our, our both of our uh, familiarities with Batman Beyond, mm-hmm. or lack thereof in my case. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I do very clearly remember from this show is the character of Ink. Right. I didn't realize that she showed up so immediately, but uh, I was glad to see her. Yeah. And it, I, I was, I, I, this might be a tough episode to talk about as far as the episode itself, because it's, it's a very slight episode. Not a lot really happens. It's pretty straightforward. It's basically kind of just a showcase for some amazing animation as far as Ink goes. Yeah. And uh, I guess my biggest question is, how come Ink has never crossed over into anything else? She showed up in four episodes of uh, Batman the Animated Series. And uh, I'm sorry, Batman Beyond. And one episode of Justice League Unlimited, which is the crossover episode with, with Batman Beyond. But she's never crossed over into comics outside of the Batman Beyond comics. It, it, she's a really cool character. She's like femme fatale Clayface. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of yeah. surprised that she never never made the leap. Yeah, I have a theory about that that's probably not correct. But uh, I kind of wondered the same thing. I was So I, this episode feels like it's sort of... Ha- it's what it's trying to do is set up the universe a bit more yeah. in a way that the first two episodes didn't. So we've got a better idea of what the Batcave looks like. We see that Bruce has kept the gray ghost costume and the Mr. Freeze gun. And I think this is the introduction to the Batmobile. Uh, I honestly don't remember. Probably. I can't, I honestly can't remember. Yeah. It's definitely, no, I'm sorry. The, the invisibility is the next episode, right? That's not this one. Ooh, I think the, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think the invisibility is Golem. I don't think it's Blackout, but uh, yeah. either way, so, yes, so this they're, one, they're adding stuff to the to the world. Yeah, yeah, like this one's burdened with like, well, we need to show viewers, like, we need to introduce the Batmobile. We need to introduce this. Like Terry even says to Bruce, like, you gotta tell me more about some of these toys or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I feel like this episode's main goal is to set up the stuff around Batman and all the cool like Bill Finger type stuff, uh, so to speak. And and it uses ink as a means to an end, basically. Um, and also sort of furthers the uh, relationship between Bruce and Derek Powers mm-hmm. to show how, you know, arced they are towards each other. Um, I didn't love this episode. I liked it well enough. Um, I kind of wish they had done more. If they're going to really uh, introduce the Batmobile, as a car guy, I really want to see like a better scene where this thing really is like, showcased you know right like if uh at the beginning terry's like what is that and bruce is like you're not ready and by the end of it terry has no choice but to like steal the car and use it and he's really good at it or <laughs> every like, every episode of the first season is bruce telling him he's not ready and then and terry steals yeah. something <laughs> you're not ready you're not ready why are you even here kid um yeah it, w- w- yeah maybe that i went too far talking about that already but what, what were your impressions here yeah i kind of felt the same way i i enjoyed it i like i said i really liked ink um i did like the stuff with bruce and powers uh yeah. because i i think that is definitely coming off of the first two episodes a, a, a central part of the story that they haven't fleshed out much at all um right. so seeing them flesh that stuff out was pretty good 
Uh, I like the scene in the in the limo where his face starts falling off. That's always fun. Yeah, um, the animation's really cool on that. Like the glowy, flaky effects of the the flesh. Um, I can't imagine that was easy to do. Yeah, and uh, my favorite part of the entire episode, you might know where I'm going with this, is when they show how he gets his skin regenerated. Because yeah. if you're a longtime yes. listener of the show, you'll <laughs> recognize you're going with this. You'll recognize <laughs> this machine as essentially the Terminator 2 fake skin toy playset that I talk I've talked about in the past. It's almost exactly the same thing where he lays down in like a jello mold and yep. then they uh they just pour <laughs> fake skin on top of him and then to hide his glowing endoskeleton. So Yeah. You know, they could have repurposed yeah. a lot of those shitty toys and sold them as Batman Beyond playsets. They, maybe, man. I mean, they sort of did the same thing with Clayface uh, back in an episode of the animated series. Oh, that's same right. kind yeah. of like idea, like the human press. Honestly, Instead of like pressing co- cookie dough or whatever, it's making humans. Honestly, that's probably why we talked about it last time, <laughs> that episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm always happy to see that thing make a comeback because it's it's the worst toy I've ever owned. So. Yeah. You know, I always found the action figures for the animated series were kind of shitty because they're, they didn't have very many points of articulation, so I never really collected them. Mm-hmm. Um, the shapes were good, but the, you know no bending elbows and knees. Um, what I would like to have seen as a kid is more upscale toys, so more expensive, more points of articulation. And if you had a playset of Derek Powers and you could like use Play-Doh or Silly Putty, whatever... To give him and then have that flake effect and it reveals this glowing glow with a dark green skeleton underneath like how fucking cool is that yeah right? that's pretty cool now my your but everyone's again, parents yeah. would have hated that yeah yeah any toy where you have to like buy refill canisters like slime and whatnot mm-hmm. it's probably mm-hmm. like yeah it's like buying batteries for game boys just keep going bad but yeah the uh messier. the action figures for batman at this time yeah, they were interesting because I have a couple of them, and yeah. y- you're right. The shapes are good; like they look yeah. very similar to the to the um, the designs from the shows. But yeah. yeah, they've only got like the waist and shoulder articulation, so they can't really do a lot. But like I have, I still have the second version of Mister Freeze, where uh, you know where his head comes off and he's got the spidery body. That one's I a have, pretty. That's the only one I have too. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good good toy for something that came out in in the yeah. late 90s but i actually yeah. now that i think about it did they even make batman beyond toys i actually don't know if they uh, did well, they, they do na- they do now but did they in the early 2000s so i would have been in college you'd be, still be in high school um I, I remember going to the warner brothers store in boston and i don't recall seeing any beyond stuff really it looks like they did but i don't think they Maybe. made a ton of them i just looked it up briefly it looks like uh okay, cool. it looks like they made batman um possibly it's yeah they did the joker gang so yeah i guess they did some right i want to see these things they've got to be just as shitty as uh well they're not shitty they're just <clears throat> simple yes okay yeah. yeah there's definitely batman beyond wow they really have a really thin waist really broad shoulders um, you know, can I just inject some politics here? I oh, boy. am annoyed <laughs> that uh, we have a lot of people who are like mad because we set unfair female body expectations through female through like Barbie and whatnot. Uh-huh. But there's all kinds of unfair unfair body expectations for men as well. Like the reason I started working out when I was in fourth grade is because 
I was drawing Spider-Man and I'm like, man, I don't want to look like a wimp. I feel like I should try to get into shape. Like I can't draw superheroes unless I try to get fit like one. That's actually and I that's actually every, true. They don't sorry? let you that's actually true. They don't let you draw superheroes unless you have the same physique as Spider-Man. I you know what? When I got into comics and I saw this artist I loved, and I'm like, well, clearly he's great at drawing women. He's got to be some kind of Don Juan with pencil. And, you know, there's no way that you know this much about female anatomy without going going home <laughs> with a lot of girls. And when I saw him with his gut and his, his like, he was wearing Lee denim jeans with, like, cr- holes mm-hmm. near his ass crack. And I, I was really upset. And then I realized that uh, most comic book artists don't, in fact, Stay in shape. <laughs> well, that's that's the dark secret. Is there's a, the reason that they're so good at drawing them is because they don't spend a lot of time with them. Yeah. I, and that you know, I think that encapsulates all of us. The time that we spent drawing when we were young was not spent yeah. hanging out with girls. So yeah, we had to yep. build build them on the page. Yeah, this is getting really creepy. Yeah, I'll, I'll relate to women through the ones that I draw in my own head. Not creepy at all. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Adam Hughes. <laughs> um yeah but the uh i don't remember the i think yeah i must i probably aged out of the toys at this point which is probably why i don't remember them i honestly didn't really have any of the regular animated series toys either i don't think um but yeah it's it it does this show still occupies a weird space for me because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who love it but this is right at that point where i'm not really watching this stuff anymore i'm still Am I reading comics at this point? I think I probably am, but not as much as I was when I was a little yeah. bit younger. Um, yeah. So it's I, I probably missed the toys and stuff, uh, yeah. which is you know how they get you now. They wait till you're older yeah. and you have money to spend, <laughs> and then they get you. When I was my freshman year, I was in Boston at uh, Mass College of Art, which was a really good school, relatively inexpensive, especially considering what schools charge now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was paying like nine thousand a year as an out of state. Uh, student, which is amazing. And I had to pay extra for room and board because I was in the dorm across the street from whatever. They didn't have a comic book art program Mm -hmm. and they definitely looked down on comics, but you could tell that the bones were in place. This was a generally good school for most of the other majors, just not comics. Yeah. So I met a few friends. Um, uh, Scott Montero is actually a guy that you know. He and I were classmates together. And uh, he and I would like, were the only ones that we knew who liked comics. So we would get on the T and go into uh, the Warner Brothers store. And then we would hit all the comic book shops in the city. And at the time, I think there were like four. We would hit, um, there was a manga anime shop, which was awesome. And everything there was expensive. We couldn't afford to buy anything, but like the statues were cool. There was, of course, you know, Newbury Comics, which is worth hitting. And there were two shops, I think, in Harvard Square. Um, There was one that was, uh, yeah, I'm not even going to remember it. Uh, was it? Uh, do you know the one I'm talking about? Was it in a basement? Yes. That's Million Year Picnic. Great store. Million Year Picnic yep. was one, and then there was Newland Comics, mm-hmm. which was uh, around the corner. And yeah, so we would used to like get on the T on days off and just make the rounds and go see all the comic shops. And I remember not reading a lot back then, but that's when I started picking up Batman the Animated Series comics because they were only a buck, and they were in you know. Um, obviously the dollar bin sure and it was the one thing i could read from batman where like i didn't need to have read the first issue i could just come to each issue cold and enjoy it for what it was oh, and yeah, i really yeah. really got into that stuff yeah i think that that's a it's a thing that it seems to be undervalued 
to a certain extent in mainstream comics now the the ability to just kind of jump in because I know we've talked about this stuff before, but like I I I keep I don't read as many mainstream books as I used to, and anytime I try to dip back in, I always end up getting like the first issue of an event crossover and going, well, it looks great, but I have no idea what's going on, so I just don't buy the rest mm-hmm. of them. No, I buy like Pepe Larraz books right now. And right, just- yeah you know, drool about the art. And I'm like, I have no fucking clue what's going on. Why is everyone dressed like they're in the sixties? Um, <laughs> I don't really care. I'm just buying it for the art. That's mostly as a, as a reader, most like 90% of the books I've ever bought. I just bought it for the art. Oh, totally, so I was in yeah. it for the wrong reasons. You could say, <laughs> well, I mean, it's important, you know, it's, it's a, it's the second, it's the second lead of the, uh, of the art form, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, I think that they they do a bit better in certain places. I, I really like the dollar comics that they do now a lot that are that are older books. Like you can go into the store yeah. and they have like the Marvel masterpieces and stuff that are like a dollar, and you can buy the first appearance of the Punisher or something like that. Yeah, uh, those yeah. those are those are great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's funny. Um, like the best selling X Men books, it's basically still written by Chris Claremont. Mm-hmm. drawn by john byrne mm-hmm. it's the stuff from the 80s and late 70s 80s and early 90s on amazon that's still the number one x-men stuff mm. but the industry has decided that chris claremont and john byrne are dated and no one wants to read that stuff anymore but it's like if you're talking to wednesday warriors that might seem like the case but we make way way more money through amazon mm. and even though you know byrne might seem dated it's not dated as most people on Amazon buying this stuff. In right, fact, that right. stuff's outselling a lot of the new shit. Like, they, they got to get their heads I'm already starting to complain. I'm well, skipping to so the end of the podcast. <laughs> here's, it's, it's interesting you brought that up because this is something I was thinking about the other day, but I hadn't yeah. really verbalized to anybody yet. So I want to get your, your thoughts on this. <clears throat> yep. Are comic books the only, like, entertainment career, like, like popular popular content career? where creators don't really have a um, second act, like, legacy run. So, you know, you got a band like it's like Motley Crue, right? Motley Crue was huge in the I 80s. I like how we always go back to music. Yeah, well, it's, you know, you could do it with movies and stuff, too. But, like, yeah. you've got Motley Crue, huge in the 80s. Then they fall out of favor all through the 90s, but they stick around. They're just kind of doing their thing. And then all of a sudden, they're huge again it, – to, with a certain audience in the in the 2000s because yeah. they're kind of on their like you know legacy yeah. tour at this point which i know people i know they would probably hate it if you said that but i know all bands hate it when you say that but i mean that's what that's what's going on some some of them embrace it more yeah. than others like acdc yeah. still putting albums out but they're playing the same 15 songs they've been playing for 30 years um yeah but you know what i mean though like movie stars yeah. have it where it's like you know oh liam neeson he had his big run in the the mid early mid nineties, eighties through the nineties, where he was doing all the serious stuff, and now he's kind of doing action stuff and getting paid to do this stuff that people are coming, you know, uh, or Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton's doing all this kind of stuff. He's coming back to Batman now. He's playing the the legacy yeah. card. I don't really feel like comics has that. A lot of these guys are. I don't know if it's because of burnout or what, but. We talked about this previously with Walt Simonson, where Walt Simonson mm-hmm. can't get hired, and that's yeah. that's insane. And I think yeah, maybe that was kind of yeah. the kernel of this thought for me because it's I don't feel like you get a lot of legacy talent in comics who have a big second act uh, or even third act, if you want to call it that, 
um, where no. they kind of get a chance to really capitalize on all the goodwill they made when they were, you know, uh, in the, the peak of their career. Yeah. <clears throat> to readers, they would love it if you did suddenly a Thor run with Walt Simonson. Mm. You did a whole issue of splash pages. Like, the, that shit would sell. No, no question. Problem is that the culture in Marvel is they tend to think of him as dated and no one wants to take a chance on him mm-hmm. and risk risk uh, not making their numbers that quarter. They, they actually believe that this Walt Simonson is not worth hiring anymore. And it's like, this guy is a, a record, like a trendsetter. And uh, he's respected by most of the amazing artists you have today all know that Walt Simonson is an artist artist. I don't know why editors convince themselves that artists like him are sort of finished. Right. It's it's insulting and it's really annoying when one of these artists gets cancer or something and you know, the office decides, well, let's call him in, we'll do a photo op and you know, we'll you know, make it like yeah, how nice of you to do the right thing now when this person has a medical condition. Why don't you put his books back in fucking print and then give him more royalty checks again? Like, I feel like that's what would really be the smart thing here. But right. we have a real bad, toxic culture in how we look at some of these people. Like, they'll call them dinosaurs or whatever. And, like, when I found out Walt Simonson was available, I'm like, fuck, I need to get him on a white knight book. Like, yeah, I will seriously. remake this guy. I will force people to, I will force editors to accept that they've been thinking about this all wrong. And, of course, this isn't every editor. This is just, you know, a few bad apples. But, yeah, I don't know why they get that shit stuck in their head. As far as legacy goes, that's a whole other podcast I'd love to talk with you about because I think about uh, creators who they sort of become the um, draw of the, whatever book they do. Like Mike Mignola, in a way, is a legacy character uh, mm-hmm. creator. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm buying whatever he does, period. I don't care what it is. He's more important to me than Batman in some ways. Um, or Toth or Walt Simonson or whatever. And I feel like they will never be dated because they just have this thing. It's almost like, a let's bring it back to music again, like a legacy band would be Aerosmith, you could argue. Oh, sure. Um, or Led Zeppelin, you know, and they do have their like big comeback, but most bands just flame out and disappear. And I wonder about the stages that your brain must, if you're, you know, Steven Tyler, you're, and you, your band is stopping, isn't as popular in the late 70s, and you're thinking about quitting. But you hang in there until Run DMC gives you a second win. Like, wh- what is, what do you, what, what does your therapist have to hear from you right, from year right. to year as you're having these breakdowns and suddenly you're hot again and sometimes you're not? And you're wondering, like, if people just see you as a joke or do they want you to play the same old songs? It's got to be quite a, a mental trip, honestly. And I feel like the healthiest people who, manage this are the ones who are just grounded and just thankful that people are still showing up sure um but then you seem to get guys like you know tommy lee who you know they're very annoyed that they're being beaten by kurt cobain and don't know how to cope with it very well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so sorry i know i sort of unloaded a lot on you right there but no, i have no, a lot no. of feelings about this <laughs> yeah no i find it i find it fascinating because i in comics it, yeah i don't know i don't know if it's like <clears throat> you think about the guy's who are still around they're kind of the guys who have always been around and i don't mean that detrimentally i mean it's it's ama- it's right. amazing like you've got john Rita jr who's yeah. been working steadily for 30 years or yeah. uh you know Mc, yeah. mcfarland's still around it's still an event anytime mcfarland draws something because he's still around but right. he doesn't draw that often anymore i mean even life yeah. uh, the image guys are all kind of 
I think those are probably the best example of sort of what I'm talking about in the positive yeah. sense, where those guys yeah. are kind of as not as big as they were 30 years ago, but yeah. they are still a big draw. Like Liefeld, yeah. say what you want about him, he was huge in the 90s, and yeah. people, he's still a draw. Jim Lee, absolutely yeah. still a draw. You know. If I could get a variant drawn by Rob Liefeld for White Knight, I would absolutely fucking do it. Yeah, it's of course. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or I asked Todd if he would do one for me, but he has this weird policy about working with Marvel and DC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, at least you shot not, your shot, man. a surprise. Man. <laughs> May as yeah. well try. I mean, he's, he's fine swooping in and making their action figures because he gets to own them in a way. Right, I feel right. like that's how he's managed to justify it to himself. And uh, Yeah, but it's funny. I think like... Um, Mark, uh, who's a writer who kind of went away and came back? Um, uh, what era? Uh, he came back with Spider-Man uh, in like the 2000s, 2010s. Um, uh, well, another one is I think Dan Slott has been around for a while mm-hmm. and he kind of went away and then he came back. Um, I think John Burns had a couple comebacks. Frank Miller, I would argue, Miller's a had a one. comeback yeah. with yeah. Dark Knight 2. And, you know, his movie career was an unusual way for him to kind of come back in a different medium. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. you're right. It doesn't happen as often as it does with musicians. Yeah. And that's just a long way of me saying I think Walt Simon should should draw an ink comic. So talking about ink in this episode of Batman Beyond. Okay. Segway. <laughs> Bringing it back. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, this episode, it's fine. Like, I think the animation is fantastic. I think that all the ink stuff is really cool. I really like her as a character. But this had a lot of shades of uh, the new Batman adventures to me, where it was kind of wrapped up very quickly. Um, I don't remember if we see Barbara. Do we see Barbara Gordon in the pilot? I honestly can't remember. I was thinking that, too, and I couldn't remember. (laughs) I'm not sure. I feel like we might not. But uh, yeah. I don't want to. I'm probably wrong. But either way, she's, you know, that, you keep talking. I'm gonna look that up. She's in there briefly at the end, as like, you know, the introduction of the new Batman to the new Commissioner Gordon seems like it should have a little bit more screen time. Uh, it's just sort of like a a tag at the end. Um, they have a great fight right. in the Batcave, which takes up a lot of time. And again, amazing animation, but it's just sort of like a fight for fight's sake. Um, like the whole the whole story of the episode is essentially Ink is working for powers doing um industrial espionage on on uh Fox Tekka and then right. she goes after Batman cuz she's trying to kill Batman and then they fight and then Batman wins and that's basically the whole episode. Right. Yeah. Um so I don't think I've done enough. It's going to take a bit longer to figure this out, but I think that this might be her first appearance. Yeah. Okay. Um, and if that's true, and I apologize for getting it wrong here, um, that's kind of disappointing because I feel like introducing her as Commissioner Gordon could be its own episode, and really dive into what the heck happened. Or and you want you want to leave some mystery too. But right. She sort of gets a cameo in this, and that's really not good enough. If this is her first appearance. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you could do a whole episode, and maybe they do. Maybe they kind of dip into it later. But, um, yeah. yeah, you would think that her first appearance would be a, a bit of a bigger, especially if she's, um, you know, if she's the commissioner and stuff now, it's, that's kind of a big deal. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to find this now. I don't want to be dead air for you guys. Looking um, looking on IMDb, it looks like she is not in the first episode. Okay. Go with that then. Yeah, that's that's kind of mishandling it, honestly. Um, I agree. Like, this does have that light, this kind of shallow feel of uh, season four of the animated series. Um, it's funny because, like, the next episode for me feels a lot better. It feels yeah. like a smaller, like, grounded episode that could be seen as more mundane, but there's a lot more character building in that it like shows you the high school and what Terry's place is as far as the structure and high school and the bullies and all that. Like mm-hmm. I think the next episode was much better and it felt like it felt like we're getting back to seasons one through three of Batman, the animated series. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Um, I think, I think the next episode does have its own problems. Uh, it's not even really problems, but it's, it's, well, we'll get into it. When we talk about that, but um, yeah, yeah, sure. So I was going to say, um, I th- think the reason Inc. might not have done well in comics is because I think drawing her, I mean, you, animating her is cool because you can see how she liquefies and like goes over to a wall and seeps her form into the cracks and then expands and then destroys the building. To do that in a comic, you're going to need moment-to-moment storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like to show what she can do, you need like panel one, you show her liquefy. Panel two, she is a puddle. Panel three, the puddle seeps into the cracks in the ground. Puddle four, it expands. Panel five, like I love moment to moment storytelling, but that's a lot of paper, uh, panel space to spend on one gimmick of hers. Yeah. Um, now, the other argument I would say against what I'm saying now is it seems to work for Two Face, or sorry, Clayface, because mm-hmm. you have the same problem. I mean, Clayface, can, we all know him well enough where he can sort of just like change his hand into a giant knife and we just, or a bag of bricks and kind of know how it is. But I feel like it takes a certain type of artist to be able to do motion and moment to moment storytelling to make ink really work in sequential art. I think she lends herself to animation more than comics. Yeah. I'm going to throw this out there. White, yeah. Beyond the White Knight spinoff, mm-hmm. ink drawn by Trad Moore. Oh yeah, he'd be perfect for that. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> I would, uh, I'd put him on ink. I'd put Daniel Warren Johnson on Clayface. Hell yeah, or anything Daniel wants to do. <laughs> yeah, honestly, literally <laughs> whatever he wants to do. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. My uh, my other favorite part of this episode was the. Um, I am a big fan of sci-fi sports in various sci-fi oh. futuristic media. Um, oh, you've boy. got. Um, my favorite television show, The Prisoner, has a really ridiculous uh, sci-fi sport. I can't remember the name of it, but it's it's really silly. Uh, TNG yeah. has a, a a fantastic sci-fi sport that they did. They play it in the holodeck. Yeah, it's Parisi Squares, or um... they they wear like silly costumes when they do it. I think. <laughs> I forget what it was because there's a lot of fencing that goes on in there. You're not thinking of like the frisbee tube game where they're wearing headsets, are you? No, I. Oh man, I, I'm gonna have to look it up now. Um, all, all of all of our all of our Penske file listeners are screaming at me right now. All right, you look it up, and I'll start talking about my rating and what I draw for this. Yep. All right. So what I would love to draw is I, I thought maybe I'd like to draw ink, but I also thought that actually might be kind of sucky because it could be an easy work day because you're just drawing a goopy woman. Um, that sounds really awful. All of a sudden, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> You know, there was a moment where she's choking Terry and 
forcing herself into his mouth. It did feel a little hentai at that point. <laughs> yeah, that was that was intense. I thought yeah. I thought he was dead. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I liked Bruce wearing the gray ghost thing. That might be the image I'd want to draw yep. is him retreating to cover his face and he grabs the old costume. And like, I love gray ghosts and I love Mr. Freeze. So I think that pinup would be really fun to do. Um, I also like the uh, fire truck at the beginning as it's kind of floating and shooting water and fire. But then I realized, wait a minute. To draw fire, you need to figure out what your texture is going to be. Same thing with smoke. You've got a water texture, too. Most people aren't crazy about drawing machineries. I think most people, least favorite thing to draw in this would be a fire truck coming down from the heavens, shooting water into a bro- uh, burning building <laughs> and it being cleared with smoke. Yes. That sounds like a nightmare for most artists. Put but it, at least you don't have to draw wheels. Put it in three-point perspective, and yes, it's it's every artist's nightmare. <laughs> exactly. Um, just, I just my, my rating. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say my rating for this, I think, is maybe a three. And I think that's a little generous, but I feel bad for this episode because it clearly has some housekeeping to do and it has to get through this stuff at some point. But I, I would like to have seen Barbara dress separately and the Batmobile dress separately yeah. and not have it all jammed in in one. Yeah, I think this for me is a three, but just barely. I think it's a three on the yeah. on the back of the animation. Um, yeah. Because it's, like I said, it's fine. It, they're kind of expanding stuff, but they're not really spending a lot of time doing that. Um, no. It's a it's a lot of action, which is fine. Like I said, I really like ink. So I think it's a three based on ink, probably, for me. Um, I would probably okay. want I'm to draw... Dying. Oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, I'm dying to hear the TNG thing. Oh, I don't worry. I cannot remember. I okay, got you got it? it? I right. got it. I didn't um, interrupt you. Go ahead. I would probably draw... <laughs> I would draw the scene where his face falls off in the limo. That's some... That's, I thought you might say that. Yeah, that's some quality horror Batman stuff that I could probably sink my teeth into pretty well. Or him in the human sandwich machine. The human... Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, no, then I got to draw, draw that machine and all the text. No, I just okay. want to draw the face falling. Oh. Got so it, yeah. what I was talking about <laughs> in TNG is Ambu, Ambu Jitsu, where uh, they wear... Body armor that looks like a cross between uh, BMX pads and like a samurai suit, and they fight mm-hmm. with those like Q-tip bow staffs from uh, American Gladiators. Oh yeah, yeah. However, Jitsu. Oh, I've seen it. Yeah, you're right. It definitely looks like an American Gladiators uh, thing. However, Giant just for Q-tips. completion, yeah. just for completion's sake, uh, there's also a game called Velocity in Voyager. Um, Seven of Nine fights the rock in what seems to be a professional wrestling match, which I'm excited to watch that. And, uh, mm-hmm. in deep space nine, there's a game called spring ball. So there's plenty of futuristic mm. sports in, uh, the yeah. star Trek universe. But in this episode, yeah. I loved the anti gravity high, high scene. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I gotta say, there's a lot of interesting Ambu Jitsu fan art out there. Oh, I bet. <laughs> It's like it's Riker fighting his dad, so it's a little creepy. But uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna just stop this thought right here. <laughs> um, yeah, my only other thought about this episode was uh, Derek Powers reminded me a little bit of Rutger Hauer from Batman Begins. He had that same sort of uh, didn't you get the memo kind of energy when he was talking to Bruce? Oh yeah, yeah. I like how Powers isn't trying to pretend to be nice at all. Right. Either, yeah. You know. <laughs> It's like, oh, you're still alive. Uh-huh. 
don't worry. I don't worry about you or whatever his line was. Yeah, I, I do like that they are presenting him as a clear antagonist to Bruce, but they're also not explicitly saying why they hate each other. Um, so they give you a little bit, they give you a lot, but they leave enough to the imagination where they have more places to go if they want to powers powers taking over the company was an interesting thing to play with from my book, because I mean, I've always had this like political spin to the white knight universe Mm -hmm. and local politics and how does funding even work and Bruce giving away his fortune and having powers hijack it somehow and leverage he he has a company called Wayne Motors that he takes over. It's not the entire Wayne co- company. It's just Wayne Motors. But he manages to finagle a way to start siphoning money off of what Bruce donated and turns Wayne Motors into a giant Wayne conglomerate. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really fun to do. I feel like the bones were all here. And I, it was very easy for me to like white knightify it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, do so you- a high two. Yeah, I was thinking about a high two as well. Or a low three. Yeah. I was just going to say, does uh, does Wayne Powers Motors in Beyond the White Knight make those sweet race cars, those sweet sports cars we see in the in the next episode again? <laughs> that might be the thing I want to draw is when that thing gets fucking destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of, we're, I think we're done with a blackout. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk about gold. Okay, Golem, directed by Butch Lukic. Luchik. Jeez, I've been doing this for multiple years, and I still don't know how to pronounce that name. Uh, written by Hillary J. Bader. And this one, Willie Watt, a high school nerd who has been picked on one too many times, steals a construction robot from his father to scare his chief tormentor, Nelson Nash. But when Batman tries to stop the robot, it becomes bonded to Willie mentally, giving him more power than he ever dreamed of in his life. I um, you know Golem? What's oh, up? Sorry, I was just looking at where Golem comes from. It's mm-hmm. in Jewish folklore, mm-hmm. an image endowed with life. The term comes from the Bible in Psalms, blah blah blah. And uh, I can't read these words. I didn't know that uh, it came from Jewish folklore. Yeah, it's Golem. Uh, Golem. There's a great X Files. I remember it being great. I hope it's great. A great X Files episode about a, a Golem. Um, it's mm. if I remember correctly. I'm. This is just me filtering this through the pop culture. I've experienced it through but it's a Mm. it's essentially a uh jewish folklore spirit of vengeance essentially Mm. so um i believe you create out of clay the body of the monster and then you bring it to life by putting this scroll with Mm. magic with special words in its mouth and then you bring it to life you send it out there to uh uh get justice against those who wronged you and then you destroy it yeah. by taking the scroll out of its mouth it's pretty cool it's kind of like the bible even had super villains in it in a way oh totally yeah yeah it's funny uh the thing that killed, killed tasha yar is that a golem i don't think so that's just okay. a big muck monster with well, it's just a big disaster of her yeah. leaving the show before it got good <laughs> a big muck monster that has my undying hatred for all of star trek <laughs> I maintain, oh, man. man. I maintain. Tasha had a lot of potential, but they just didn't wait yeah. it out. She she jumped ship too early. 
Yeah, I've been listening to uh, Red Band. Uh, those two guys that uh, talk about Star oh, Trek sure, a lot yeah, and kind yeah. of rewrite things, and uh, they make a lot of great points. It's interesting having them play in the background lately when I'm working. Um, but anyway, we're talking about Batman. Um, <laughs> we have a whole other show I, we can talk about Star Trek if you want to, Sean. <laughs> I'm loving your Voyager stuff, but I cannot believe you guys are uh, so positive on it because I feel like most people come into Voyager ready to just start hating on it because it's an easy target, mm-hmm. but... It's a good cleanser after Enterprise, I guess. It it really is. And uh, I also was not super thrilled about having... I, there's always a bit of um, reluctance yeah. for me to start a new series after we've done a series for so long, be, especially with, yeah. with Star Trek, because traditionally the first couple seasons are always a slog. So you inevitably yeah. end up doing spending so much time doing one season you get to the good stuff towards the end and then it's over yeah. and then you got to start another seven seven season show back at the yeah. bottom of the barrel but um yeah i think yeah coming off of enterprise voyager just ha- has just enough of the 90s yeah. star trek charm to it that yeah. it's it's yeah, really yeah. been working for me better than i thought it was going to Especially with the so failed Picard and Discovery, it's like, oh my God, Star Trek used to be very simple to do. Like, why why is it so hard to reproduce yeah. this these days? Yeah, I'll say I want to do a podcast with you and Wes, so I'll save this for when I talk to you. Yeah, please people do. Are listening? Are listening? <laughs> I don't want to hear about Voyager. <laughs> well, and if you do, come over to the Penske file. Listen to us talk about Star Trek Voyager. Uh, anyway, right, go I, I I like this episode. I thought it was great to give Terry some context. Mm-hmm. We get to see what kind of boyfriend he is, uh, what kind of athlete he is, where he stands with the bullies, how he kind of has weight, um, social standing in the school. We get to see how kind his girlfriend is. Um, uh, yeah, he really does sort of feel more like a cooler version of Peter Parker in a lot of ways, where mm. he could totally kick these people's asses, but he's trying to, he's dealing with it. He's measured in his his response, you know? Yeah, yeah. He's got, you know, the first two episodes established him as a hothead. Um, and he they do a good job in this episode of playing him as a hothead who realizes he needs to keep his shit under control. Yeah. Uh, because now he works, because he's got Bruce in his ear all the time now. And so he's got mm-hmm. Bruce um, basically telling him to cool it and not bring attention too much attention to himself and all that kind of stuff and it works it works well because yeah he does end up in a sort of peter parkery situation um Mm -hmm. where he's got to keep his stuff under wraps it 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 is it is a little bit different because he is like you said he is cool and peter parker has never Mm -hmm. been cool but uh i do i think it works really well (laughs) especially yeah especially in this one because the villain um has a common enemy with with Terry in in this uh, Nash or Nelson Nash is that it? Nelson Nash yeah Nelson yeah Nash. who's the stand-in for Peter Parker's uh, Flash Thompson what's his name Thank you yeah, yeah. guy with the curly hair voiced by the uh, that... Seth Green in this episode Oh cool Yeah I remember Seth Green used to be everywhere wasn't he <laughs> Yeah then I mean you um, know just hunkering down at Robot Chicken and just making money I guess. Yeah, that kid didn't age for years. It's crazy yeah. how uh, <laughs> in a time machine he seems to be. Um, I liked. Epi- I also like episodes that take a chance and focus on a character you never heard of and sort of make you care about a character very quickly. And this nerdy kid who's being picked on, whose dad is an alpha asshole, uh, who doesn't want his son to be a, a wuss or whatever, mm-hmm. and then this kid gets control of this like kind of over-the-top mecha and bonds right. with it. 
Um, and in the end, he actually goes after his own father to try to kill him. And I was like, wow, this is really going all the way. Like, I didn't, I forgot that this episode pushed it this far. Um, he even smashes a boat, and there's a couple of people on the boat that I don't know if they survive because you don't see them hitting the water. Sure. As yeah. per usual, when, you know, people start falling all over the place in Gotham. Um, and I like that his dad at the very end learned the very wrong lesson. Like, even yes. a son, yeah. after a son tried to kill him, dad's like, well, at least he's not, at least he's not a wuss anymore. Great, yeah. uh, great character stuff in this. Uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for this in episodes like, you know, the one with the stepdad and Batman, the animated series where he's invisible and sure, yep. um, kind of taking a left turn. Yeah, I really like this one. I feel like it is. So as I kind of alluded to a few minutes ago, when we were teasing this. I think this is a really good episode, but I think this episode is hampered by time because. Uh-huh. Uh, I think they do more with their time in this one than they did in the last one. Like there's, well, that's unfair to say because there's more. No, I guess there's there's a pretty, there's a good amount of action in this. So I would say yes, they, it's a more well-rounded episode. But I think what's missing from this episode, for stopping it from being a five for me, is like 10 more minutes where you get more with Willie and the robot. And they're kind of like bonding a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sort of like an Iron Giant situation, an yeah. evil, like an evil Iron yeah, Giant, for sure. because it kind of goes from zero to sixty pretty quick. And he has this reaction when the robot gets destroyed, as though like his best friend has been destroyed, which I like. But I yeah. think they could have milked that a bit more. Um, yeah, he didn't quite earn earn that emotional arc. Yeah, I think there's a lot more pathos in there. They could have tapped into. But I just don't know yeah. if they had the time to do it. Like it, this actually reminded me a lot of an episode of not a specific episode, but like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode, because it was sort of you know it takes place at high school. There's the one high school person who is secretly the protector of blah blah blah, and then the yeah there's a, a a student who gets this magical or in this case well technically magical there's no explanation for it power. Yeah. That is a, a metaphor for a larger problem that this this kid is having uh, at school or or with his personality, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And mm-hmm. it, it really kind of had that vibe to me, which I really like because I think those stories can can land really well when they're done well. Um, but yeah, what was missing mm-hmm. is just like maybe ten more minutes, or maybe not even ten, maybe like two or three more scenes, just to build out that relationship with Willie and the robot a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It, it still moves kind of quick, but it hits more emotional mo- uh, moments than... This feels like the first normal episode of the series. Mm. I still prefer the uh, the two-part opener because it's it's cool to see Bruce try to use a gun and not be able to handle it. Like, you know, I would definitely introduce people to the opener before I would show them this one. But this feels like it's starting to normalize the whole series and get into its pace a bit. Yeah, and I, I like also both of these episodes that they are producing new villains right off right from the jump. They're not really like Ink is kind of like Clayface, but she's different enough that it doesn't feel like they're just riff- they're just ripping off Clayface. Although I mean they're kind of just ripping off Clayface, but it feels fresh anyway. It's It's funny later in the season there's a character that looks like Clayface, but he's black with red lines on his face. It looks like a bizarro oh, really? play face and they they never really call attention to it yeah he's made a lava or something like that he's okay. part of a superhero team um it's funny i remember hearing that this 
series was designed uh, the villains were designed after spider-man villains mm -hmm. and i tried to find evidence of that online and i didn't see anything no interviews or anything popped up i guess people might think that ink is kind of like sandman and um mm -hmm. i don't know i need more of the characters to be able to make the connections but i don't know if that's true or not yeah i don't know um I mean, we've only seen two, three if you count Blight. I mean, I guess you could say yeah. Derek Powers is very similar to Norman Osborn. I think we talked about that for a bit in the last episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll have to keep that in mind as they start creating new villains to see if there's any closer analogs that we can see with Spider-Man. Yeah. That uh, might have been some dumb shit that some friend college told me and I never <laughs> questioned it. And here I am regurgitating it like one of those asshole. One of those pre-internet quote-unquote facts that you learn about something that you later on find out is yeah. completely false. Yeah. Like how Marilyn Manson was uh, in Wonder Years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he had that, <laughs> you rib, remember that, one? that rib surgery too. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that one. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I, I think there's some cool stuff in this. I like the, the it's the first first invisibility now, if i was be able to bend over oh, and boy. suck my own dick yes, i don't think on. i would <laughs> just gonna throw that in there right you, now. you don't think what i'm sorry <laughs> i didn't catch that would you like to say that again <laughs> no i'm good <laughs> did you not hear me i i think i figured i didn't hear you but i think i have an understanding of what you said i said even if i was able to bend over and suck my own dick uh -huh. i don't think i would right everybody and and you wonder why the sales are down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clearly it's... Because, because this my, uh... stuff is not in the book. If you put this great material in the book, people would... <laughs> uh, anyway. Did I stutter, Clay? Uh, I guess I did, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, I, like this, um, I like the robot in this. I, oh, I was saying the invisibility is cool. It's the first time you see the invisibility. I really like the way they do it. I couldn't remember how they did the invisibility, um, but it yeah. looks a lot like the animation they use for like the uh, the digital newscasters and stuff where it's just like kind of yeah. like two solid colors. Yeah. Man, doing the invisibility in a comic is hard. Yeah. I ended up, um, I think in issue two of the book that's going to come out, it opens up with Terry using the invisibility and I had to redraw those panels because I just, I went into it without thinking how I was going to handle it and the blocking and like, where are you going to see through him? And the trick was like, you have to have something behind him that has a medium level of detail so you can see it pass through his highlights mm -hmm. and then you black out the other parts and then you have the colorist sort of color hold everything. And I, yeah, it was, it annoyed me because uh, I did that, I started off at page one, so I didn't quite hit it. And for the rest of issue two, I was annoyed with page one. So I felt like I got off on the wrong foot of the whole issue. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yo, yeah, <laughs> that happens to me all the time, yeah. Yeah, like fucking up page one is the worst, honestly, because you're just carrying this baggage for the next month and a half. And then when you get to the next issue, you're like, all right, page one, let's let's, let's try to fix uh, the mistakes we've been making and start off on the right foot. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely something that I would sit down and go, well, I mean... I can start on page eight probably and just deal with this later. Yeah. And then I have to deal with it at the end when I'm running out of time and that doesn't help. So yeah, <laughs> it's better, better to sit down and do it, I guess. But yeah, yeah, for sure. I also, um, um, I also really liked, I liked the robot design. The robot design actually reminded me a lot of a, uh, Mega Man, a Mega Man character. Uh, so funny. You said that. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. One of the, the mini bosses from, I think, I, th I think it's Mega Man 2. I can't honestly remember where it's 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 a very similar look, 
top heavy body with like a single eye in the middle and then the, yeah. it breaks into pieces that slide across the screen and you get to like jump over the pieces yeah. and stuff. You know, that would have been an amazing toy. Yeah. Uh, if you had that this character featured more, I don't think this kid ever comes back, but he might. Oh, that's too bad. Um, yeah. I mean, he wouldn't be to scale, obviously. You'd have to have the kid be small, but like that robot with like the things to pop out of him and like the hammer armor and all that stuff, like, yeah. that would have been really cool, but it's just not a major feature of the series. I had a question about this robot. Does he at one point grow a flamethrower? I thought it popped out of his shoulder. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was just if he always had a flamethrower because it seemed like they did the sort of thing where they kind of do a close up on the kid and they have like yeah. energy crackle around his eyes or something. And then they show this flamethrower kind of extend out from the shoulder. So I couldn't tell oh. if he if the robot always had a flamethrower or if the kid was like yeah. manifesting a flamethrower yeah. out of the I don't know. Yeah. The real question here is, if you could grow a flamethrower out of your body, would you want to bend over and suck on it? (laughs) (laughs) Great question. Great question. (laughs) Oh, man. These are are the jokes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for everyone coming back. They're rolling their eyes. (laughs) 50-50, honestly. (laughs) Probably. Hey, uh, I actually put the question out to you last time, or to viewers. Do they... Enjoy when I go off on a tangent in the beginning or not. Did you get any feedback for that yet? Uh, that's something I definitely did. Uh, I uh, I don't remember if I ever put anything out officially for that. Yeah. I, I feel like we've asked that question before and the answer has come back that they do enjoy it. Okay. Um, okay. I actually, no, now that, I'm, now that I'm thinking back, I think we did do some sort of a poll for that. And it was honestly a closer split than I thought it was going to be, where it was like fifty percent liked the uh, I, the yeah. the co- the comic talk, and fifty percent right. liked the show talk. So, yeah, I just meant the non sequiturs. Oh, the non sequiturs. People find those. I I can yeah. I'll, I'll put that out there as well and see what pe- I'll get back to you next episode. <laughs> okay. I'd hate it if every if it was like ninety percent no, and I've just been wasting people's time. <laughs> Hey, but keep... I mean, come on, the hen toy one, that was pretty good. Right? That was, you were great once. That, and the uh, <laughs> most epic lyrics in rock and roll. Yes, that that actually has started quite a bit of debate, especially on Discord, that we went back yeah. and forth for a while about that. That was an interesting conversation. I'll bet you, anyone who's heard that, anytime you hear Journey now for the rest of your life, you're going to think about this podcast. Yeah, probably. I mean, you can't buy that publicity. Anyway. It's definitely an earworm. Um, but yeah. So, uh, what would you? Sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Uh, what, what? What? Do you have a thing you draw or a rating for this? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's weird because I feel like I feel like we talked more about ink, and there's more to talk yeah. about in this one. But maybe, yeah. maybe it's because ink is is kind of a I don't even want to call it a misfire, but like a missed opportunity, I guess. Yeah, that's the thing I noticed. I, I texted you recently. Because you and I have writers' brains, mm-hmm. if we like a movie or don't like a movie, we kind of walk out thinking, what would I do to fix this? And if we can find a bunch of reasons how it could be better, our grade goes down. A lot of people who watch, you know, you know, experience any kind of medium, they're not actively looking on how they could improve it. They're just asking themselves if they had enjoyed it or not. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to see something that's a B plus because 
I, I want to think of like, man, a few tweaks and this could have been an A plus. So I start giving it a worse grade and I stop appreciating how good it actually was, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I think it, de- for me anyway, it depends. Like there's, there's a lot of stuff that I can overlook if I, I think yeah. for me, I think it comes down to, uh, um, what's the, what's, what's the best way to say this? Uh, there's the plot brain and I think there's the feeling brain and I don't huh. think either one of them is more or less important or, or more or less yeah. valid. Um, but I don't know if they always work in, in tandem with each other. So I think there's a lot of stuff that I really like that, Mm -hmm. um, if you really wanted to break it down on a plot level, probably doesn't hold up really well, but it kind of doesn't matter because the feeling works really well. And I think Mm -hmm. there's other stuff where, um, maybe, I don't know, maybe they do have to work together because like, I feel like. Yeah. If if I were to watch something that was impeccably plotted but made me feel nothing, I don't know if I would like that. <laughs> but if yeah. I watched to me, something that, that would was be like, go ahead, that would be like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. That would be um, some technically perfect movies that I could not give a shit about because there's no feeling there. Um, That's a whole different. Con- yeah. I would I would fundamentally disagree with that, but we can talk about that some other time. It's, it's a half-baked idea. I'm not married to what I just said, but uh, yeah, we can <laughs> talk about fair. it later. <laughs> I'm happy to be, to be argued out of that. But, but yeah, you, you know what I mean though, right? Like there's, there's certain, there's certain things. I, I think every, every thing you're viewing or reading or whatever, you're kind of weighing these things as you go. And when you come away, you've kind of already made your decision about what matters and what doesn't matter. Um, like right. I, I love so I probably watch Dark Knight Rises more than I watch the other two and I I kind of do that anyway with with stuff like if 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 there's a um uh, uh, uh like a franchise or something of popular movies I tend to gravitate more towards the one I've seen less so I I know I've definitely talked about this somewhere so like if I'm going to throw on Ghostbusters, I feel like I end up throwing on Ghostbusters 2 versus the first one. And I don't know why I do that. I don't know if it's because yeah. I know those less or if there's – if if my brain is just sort of like picking out the things that I do like or trying to analyze it without me really knowing it. But, but like yeah. I find myself watching Dark Knight Rises more than I watch Dark Knight or Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love – <laughs> maybe 50 to 60% of that movie and the other 40% I think is not great at all but for some reason it doesn't really bother me because I really like that mm-hmm. first 60%. So I feel like when you and I don't agree on a movie it, I feel like it's generally you like an underdog and you like a under misunderstood movie and you'll watch the third dark knight because it's the unpopular one. And the more you become obsessed with it, the more you start to want to defend it. And the more contrary you'll get. And you get stubborn and dig your heels in, which is also really fun. Uh, <laughs> um, so I feel like you're, you feel like... I, so it sounds like you're defending something harder than you actually are. Even though you know it's not a great movie, you, your defense of it sounds like you're defending it more than you are. If that uh, I just said well, it twice, but you know what I mean. But like, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would... I probably wouldn't really go to bat for that movie in a really substantial yeah, way you could just say that yeah you know like i i there are things about yeah. it i'll go to bat for but 
if you were if we were to get into a conversation about what the best Christopher Nolan Batman movie is, I'm not saying Dark Knight Rises any day of the week. Right. You know? Yeah. Um and you have unique defenses of bad movies, which I think are interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have I have correct defenses of the good parts of bad movies. Let's put it that way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. All right. That might be the snobbiest thing you've ever said. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Um, but but uh, it's all to, to what I'm talking about, where it's like I think there's certain aspects that you, as a viewer, shut off and certain aspects you don't shut off. Like, yeah. can you watch an episode of Star Trek that doesn't make sense technologically, but it makes sense emotionally, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and what you said is important. There's, people react to movies one of two ways. Do they get a good feeling and a vibe? Like people, let's just talk about the Batman a lot of people who like that movie, I think, are responding to the look of it and the mood of it mm-hmm. and how um, there was not any cringy parts of it. It seemed to flow well. It seemed pretty solid in its, um, its approach to how things looked visually. Plot-wise, I don't think there... I think there's a couple of things that movie sort of screwed up. And I'm a plot guy. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, mood is easy because as an artist, I can just draw mood and it's pretty black and white. Like I agree that the second Nolan movie, the mood isn't quite there because... Gotham just looks like Chicago, and they didn't really focus on that stuff. It was just too much of a real-world Batman. If you like Batman mood, you're going to prefer the Batman over the second uh, Nolan movie. However, if you're a plot guy and you're really into writing and payoff and building structure and all that, the second Nolan is clearly like a better movie. Um, but it might not be the one people enjoy more, and that's totally fine. I'm guessing most people respond to movies like they respond to politicians. They get a feeling for it and a vibe, and they just sort of decide. They they judge their feelings based on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, think, I think it's through being a writer and having special knowledge of plot breakdown that it makes it harder for us to digest bad movies sometimes, and we get caught up in the minutia that most viewers really don't give a shit about. Yeah, well, I yes and no because I mean I'm neck deep in season two of Star Trek Picard, and trust me, there are plenty of people who are getting hung up on a lot of the minutia of the plot. So. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the Star Trek crowd and Star Trek crowd tend to be technically minded mm-hmm. people. I think you're getting a they're looking deeper into smaller stuff to dunk on it, honestly, at this point. Yeah. The average Joe probably who doesn't really think that much about Star Wars or Star Trek would be like, that was fun or that wasn't. Sure, and I'm going sure. on with my life. You know? Sure. Yeah. But people who want to suss out, who are obsessed with this shit, that those tend to be technical people who get furious that the the second star wars when they like light jumped the ship into another ship and destroyed it and it's like wait a minute you had that ability this whole time and right, you didn't use right. it on the death star yeah <laughs> star star wars the gold standard of science hard sci-fi and and accurate physics i know <laughs> i know anyway um did you say yeah. what you wanted to rate this one or what you would want to draw uh, uh i was leaning towards a four but i think i'm gonna go like a high three yeah, I think I think I'm gonna go. It's tough because we're so early. I want to. I know. My first instinct <laughs> is four. Uh, I'm gonna. St- yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna go with four. Um, yeah. right. And I, I reserve the right to change my vote if we, as we get deeper yeah. in, and and I see how yeah. things shake out for the season a bit more. See the the next episode has Mr. Freeze in it, and I think it's gonna be a potential five for both oh, of us okay and i think it'll give you context of what the range is gonna be in the show so okay all right yeah good to know uh wh- yeah. what would you want to draw on this uh i would redraw the, the stupid car that the bully drives around oh, yes. i hate that design 
It, you got to draw it into like your book. You have to. Up Hot Wheel <laughs> in the background. You have to. Oh man, I drew a I drew a few GoBots in there, and I don't think anyone's going to notice them. Um, but yeah, I should throw this in too. You're right. If you if you find the GoBots in Batman White Knight, let us know, and uh, we will send you a gif of someone clapping that you found him. <laughs> Um, All right. I would uh, I would draw I would draw the robot fight at the end. Like I really liked that fight. Yeah. I thought it was uh, aside from the fact that they just start indiscriminately like throwing people off what looks to be a two hundred foot pier into the water. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought the robot fight was cool. Um, Batman versus a giant robot is always fun. It looked like a robot I could draw without wanting to kill myself fairly quickly. Yeah, you're right. It had a um, the tech in Superman the animated series had a alien look to it, and I feel like that leaked over into the design sense of some of the tech in this series. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know how to describe it. It's just usually like a circle on it somewhere. Yep. With uh, white zigzag lines penetrating through black shapes and it's rounded edges and mushroom shaped things here and there. Yeah. It's weird though, because like the uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus, uh, it's it's weird though with this show because on the one hand you've got some really cool futuristic design stuff, but on the other hand yeah. you've got a lot of like really kind of stock sci-fi feeling yeah. stuff. Like for as cool as the city is, um, mm-hmm. the visor that he wears to control this thing is pretty kind of lame looking. It and, looks like a VR headset from 1994. Right, right. And his his dad's like construction foreman uniform looks like something out of Flash Gordon. Yeah, you know, I actually liked what his dad was wearing, but I just I, I agree with you at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so dad yeah, looks like a superhero. <laughs> it is it is a little bit interesting where they where they're meshing things design wise in yeah. the show so far. I got a uh, I forgot to say this last episode. I don't like the Batmobile design in this series. Mm-hmm. I think they need to take a few more passes at it to make it more solid. It's a, a, two commas, basically. If you're looking at it from the side, it's like one comma and then an upside-down comma jammed in the front of it. Okay. I get what they were going for, but I think the problem in the design of these shows is they design things that look great in 2D, and then when they realize they have to move these objects around, there's a lot of pull and push and pull with the shapes you know yeah um, i honestly when i was designing sorry no i was just gonna say i honestly never really cared for the batmobile on the show because i i always thought it yeah. to be kind of amorphous um exactly. and it didn't really have it, the iconic look that the that even the animated series one did uh when i design mine and if you go online um you can find on my Instagram, you'll see the model I made. I kitbashed and created my own Beyond Batmobile. And I stuck with the general idea of it, but I added a lot more hard lines and tech to it. Um, it's just, I felt like there needed to be a lot of fixes to, to make it work, at least for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's designed by people that don't draw cars. There's a mm-hmm. problem. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I looked up some pictures and it's, yeah, it doesn't... Like, some angles it looks cool, yeah. but then when you rotate it, it's like, bleh. the ass end of that thing is massive. <laughs> yeah, it almost feels like, well, I guess if you flipped it around, it would just kind of look like a Star Trek thing with the nacelles in the back. I mean, but. it's clearly trying to be Blade Runner-ish, because it looks like it has the, the arms reaching forward like a spinner car. Right, and I right. like that. That's a good start, but yeah, I'm just not convinced of it. 
And I know that they are like, well, it, it's supposed to be kind of blobby. You're not supposed to really make it out. Um, but when you see toys of this thing, each toy looks very different because there's a bunch of different ways to interpret the shape when you make it 3D. I mean, you look at like uh, anything, like any 3D program or people will upload models of Batmobiles and a lot of people make this one and there are like wildly different interpretations of what this thing might actually look like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it does have that really cool interior, though, that feels like they lifted it right out of um, Dark Knight Returns, where it's all just red and black and just a bunch of yeah. hard, so hard angles and stuff. So I went back. That panel doesn't exist in red. Everyone forgets that the first time you see that in red is that episode the of cartoon. the animated series. That yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's, and yeah. that looks great. And I went back to look at the Dark Knight from Frank Miller in the 80s. And they kind of have that shot of Batman surrounded by tech, um, but it's colored like blue and gray, and it's it's not intense, and it should have been red. That's way better, obviously. But I feel like the um, that episode that you love, I love it too, rewrote our memory <laughs> of what that panel actually looks like. <laughs> I yeah, I believe it. It's it's like it, it's an iconic shot from that from that show. Yeah, you and know, it's not even like the biggest panel on that page. It's but it's such a moment, you know. Right, right. You know, I'm gonna say something. I don't know if I've said this before, but I feel like. It's a little bit controversial. I don't like red in my Batman. I in Batman Beyond, I think it's fine. Oh, but I don't yeah. like red in classic Batman. Like they I feel like whenever they do the Batmobile in the comics now, like the windshield is always red or there's red highlights on yeah. the car. And I just I don't mind it in the sixties Batmobile, but I just yeah. I don't know. I just don't love it. Yeah. Yeah, I uh I agree. I don't, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Now, fire, on the other hand. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, one thing that bugs me about this show is they'll, um, he's, he's got the red on his chest, of course. If they do blue lighting, then that red turns into purple and blue. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't feel strong to me. It's um, like a blue filter over everything just takes away the energy in some of these shots. It's like the opposite of fire lit. If it's blue lit, Batman, I'm, I'm turned off. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> But I generally gravitate towards hot colors because I'm a car guy, hot rods, whatever. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. my Matt, uh, my colorist used to get annoyed with me because every time I designed a character, it would be red, orange, or yellow. <laughs> <laughs> like, when am I going to get to use green, Sean? When am I going to get to use pink in this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I design scenes. I'm like, all right, there's a lot of trees here. So, you know, shoot your load on green, Matt, because we're not going to see green a lot for a while. So get it all out of your system, buddy. We got one shot that takes place during the day, use as much blue in the sky as you want, and then never use it again. Yeah, because other than that, we're going back to red. Yes. Uh, But yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. Thank you guys for Mm -hmm. listening as always. Uh, If you'd like to help support the show, you can go over to patreon.com slash the Penske file where you can find the episode we put out where Sean and I talk about the Batman and uh, we'll also we also have a new episode up this month where we talk about said Red Hood book that uh, Sean and I have been working on. Uh, if you want to get the inside scoop before that comes out, and possibly before it's actually announced, that's the place to get it. Um, thank yeah, you. Even just signing up for a month and just going through some of the greatest hits, then canceling, or hopefully you don't, you stick around. <laughs> but I think there's enough content worth your three dollars. Oh, yeah. How much is it for a? Uh, there's two different levels. I think it's, believe it's $3 and $5. So, you know, for $5, you get access to like 500 podcasts. So we've been around for a long time, (laughs) but, uh, thank you guys for listening. And I'm hopefully going to be appearing on Voyager pretty soon. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys. (laughs) 
I keep trying to, I keep trying to cut it out. You keep jumping on me. It's fine. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back next time with Meltdown and Heroes. See you guys later.